Hello and welcome to Starting Over with Shannon. This is a podcast about fresh starts, new chapters and embracing change and challenge to become a better version of ourselves and create a better world around us. I'm your host Shannon Jenkins and every week I'll be bringing you a different Starting Over story with tips on how to conquer life's difficulties to find greater joy, meaning and purpose. Last week, I spent five days in the Ardèche in the south of France to participate in a spiritual retreat designed to understand, process and move beyond our defense mechanisms. I received many messages asking how I got on during this time and I figured I should do a solo episode on this. In short, it was one of the most intensely healing and beautiful experiences I've ever done in my life. So much so that it took me a few days to settle back into normal life afterwards. I left with this feeling of connectedness, of groundedness, of love, and also with a lot of insights into my patterns of behavior my defense mechanisms, my strengths, weaknesses, as well as those of others in my life too. So I figured I'm going to approach this episode from somewhat of a personal perspective. First, because I'm not a psychologist. And second, because I think it will be more authentic. But what I really hope is that you will find yourself in this and that some of the lessons that I took away from it could equally apply to your life situation as well. P.S. As nice as a retreat sounds, this wasn't the kind of retreat where I had cucumbers on my eyes and relaxing massages, gentle yoga classes and strolls in the countryside. No, (laughs) this was of the intense personal development kind, perhaps even more intense than I anticipated it would be, despite my partner and a lot of his friends actually having already participated in this. That being said, I did not know what I would experience in terms of workshops and reticence was particularly encouraged by the leaders because they wanted to allow for a surprise element to prevent us from overly mentally preparing. So with that in mind and knowledge that some of you may actually be interested in doing this exact retreat, I will also refrain from going into the specifics of the workshops that we did. So a few days prior to arriving, I was feeling nervous. You know, that kind of nervous trepidation that so often accompanies the unknown. But I also knew that I needed an experience like this to continue my healing and self-development journey. Just for some perspective, for around two years prior, I had been seeing a psychotherapist. And during that time, I did gain a lot of insight into, you know, my unresolved wounds, limiting beliefs, and patterns of behavior that weren't always serving me very well. But for the most part, I understood them intellectually. I wasn't able to fully connect 
process and release them on a deeper emotional level. And this is what was unlocked really during the retreat. And now more than ever, I am just so convinced that we need to have this holistic approach towards our healing and also general well-being. So going back to the purpose and objectives of this retreat, as stated by the organizers, was for the participants to experience their defense mechanisms, both physically and emotionally, rather than just purely intellectually, and really to dare to examine what pain lies beneath them. And we were all united in having vulnerable wounds that we've band-aided over or resisted feeling in some way. So the organizers really sought to assist us to dissolve our physical and emotional anesthesia, you know, our numbing, our avoidance, and to specifically connect to and feel more in the lower part of our body. So our lower torso and our legs. Does this sound unusual to you? I don't know. If you just take a moment, I did this before when I was thinking about this, like take a moment, close your eyes, take a deep breath and try to feel the energy within your body. Do you feel more in your upper half, your chest, your throat, your mind? I know for many of us, myself included, this was the case and, or this still is the case. And one comment I really appreciated from the group leader was that in our Western societies, we are so cerebral. We give prominence to our intellect, our rationality and so forth. So much so that we are often disconnected from the lower half of our body, energetically at least. And we miss the grounding you know, that comes with that. I know in my instance, and this really came up throughout the retreat, I had blocked a lot in that space and it really helped me to do some anchoring and grounding practices uh, to connect with my sensuality and also to release fears. Some fears that I quite honestly just did not even know they were there prior to. Overall, it took a lot of courage, but the atmosphere was just so compassionate and non-judgmental. And that was healing in and of itself. Not to mention that we had the ready assistance of five competent and empathic therapists. But it wasn't all heavy and demanding. <laughs> we did spend time, you know, connecting to pleasure and authenticity and presence and vitality. You know, we danced, we laughed, we played games, we were silly. And there was so much beauty in that, really. I think we often lose our playfulness so much. So connect to that, guys. So defense mechanisms. Given that this was a particular focus of the retreat, I think it warrants some discussion here. So what is a defense mechanism? It is... Any psychological strategy that we apply, usually unconsciously, that functions to protect us from uncomfortable feelings, emotions, and thoughts that are 
lurking under the surface, such as shame or guilt. Some common defense mechanisms include repression, so it's avoiding, pushing down these unwanted thoughts, ideas, emotions. Displacement, for instance, when you're feeling angry, let's say because of your partner's behavior, but you then take it out on somebody else instead. With this in mind, I think a crucial question we should ask ourselves whenever we notice ourselves um, acting out, getting irritated and so forth. The question is, what are we trying to defend ourselves against? Or another way of considering it, what is this mechanism trying to protect us from? What, what purpose is it trying to serve? But don't assume that all defense mechanisms are bad. I did that. That's, that's literally how I turned up in this retreat, feeling like in many respects my defense mechanisms were bad, but actually, or at least something to traverse. But one thing for me that I became aware of, actually only really in, in kind of integration after the retreat, was that I haven't expressed gratitude enough for my defense mechanisms, which have at times really helped me. I'll give you a couple of examples. First, I would say that I'm a perfectionist and alongside that or running underneath that is that I'm really terrified of not being good enough, not being worthy of acknowledgement and love. And I formed a belief over many years that if I look beautiful, if I achieve good grades in school, if I have a successful career, I will be worthy. Consistent achievements will therefore prevent me from feeling shame. But that is so far from the truth because life happens and you can't perform highly all the time and perfect is the real enemy of the good. Now I am fully aware of the limitations of my excellence seeking and failure avoiding perfectionism and what that imposes, not to mention the frequent stress, overwhelm, anxiety that so often rears its head because of that. I was even procrastinating on recording this podcast and my fierce inner critic comes up with lots of mean, belittling remarks. In essence, I just, of course, I want to move through this. But if I take a moment, and you too, if this applies to you, this perfectionism has led me to many achievements, many exciting adventures, and in many respects, a comfortable lifestyle. And perhaps most fundamentally, it has filled a fundamental, central need for love across my life. So thank you for perfectionism. But you can go now. (laughs) It's literally what I'm going to come to. Another example. So due to my childhood conditioning, I developed a kind of fierce independent streak. And when I've encountered difficulties in romantic relationships, I've had the tendency to want to push back, to armor up, to do it on my own. Again, I recognize the limitations of this, but that defense mechanism 
designed to protect me from hurt actually has at times prevented me from experiencing hurt. You know, that strong independence actually got me out of an abusive relationship where I think other people may have stayed in it for longer than I did, let's say. So I encourage you to take some time to acquaint yourself with your defense mechanisms and then also with kindness and compassion, understand what purpose they have served you at different points in your life. And you may well just discover that they have enabled you to survive and to cope with situations that you were not able to at the time that they occurred. But one of the problems that I believe many of us are facing now is that we do not have control over when we let go of or switch off our defense mechanisms. And many of us actually are not even aware that our defense mechanisms are taking the reins, often with detrimental effects. Just as a general example here, and maybe some of you could identify with this, perhaps you have a tendency to consistently over-intellectualize situations or problems you're facing at work or in your personal life, you immediately strategize. Emotions are sidelined because there's no place for emotions or such vulnerability. They don't lead to solutions, right? And in many areas of our society, this approach can be praised to such an extent that one may not even realize that it isn't always a healthy form of emotional regulation. So with that in mind, I want to move into a little discussion about the topic of letting go and surrendering. This was one of the standout points of the retreat for me because the leaders and assistants really fostered a compassionate, open, safe and supportive atmosphere And this group solidarity and connectedness, along with the competency of the professionals, really allowed us participants to let go and release things that had been stored inside of us. Even then, it wasn't easy, especially for those of us who've built up, you know, a huge armory of control. Letting go is terrifying. And in many cases, quite literally, though, it must be said control is often an illusion. We have control over much less than we think and we are frequently clinging to something precarious that we falsely believe to be sturdy. You know, a mantra that came up a lot during specific workshops in the retreat in moments of emotion in particular was open quite simply, open. And I saw firsthand how hard this was for many people and often myself included because we would be delving into a lot of our deepest vulnerabilities and pain. You know, some emotion would surface, it would then frighten us and we would retreat. Some would even literally gasp like, oh, no, no, I, no. No more can come. I I don't want to cry. No, I don't want to get angry. I can't let go. You know, and it feels like bungee jumping 
maybe with the bonus of not knowing whether the rope is completely secure. I know for me though, that when I had the courage to jump, if I continue this metaphor, I felt waves of emotion, sure, but afterwards I had a feeling of lightness and of love. And I knew not intellectually, but physically that I needed to release what was pent up, what I had boxed up and shelved. And knowing physically is the crucial difference because our body is wise. You know, our body has deep knowing. Sometimes what may come up will surprise you. I know that happened for me. You know, my initial opening actually came through frustration. And without going into too much detail for reasons said before, there was one exercise where we paired up and we're doing some inner child work. I remember people started crying and so forth. And then I was hit with a wave of frustration and irritation. I was thinking and then even saying (laughs) to my partner, people just need to shut up. This is just so irritating. Oh my God. And then of course the other voice would come in and say, my inner voice, I mean, stay compassionate, be kind. Then again, oh no, this is ridiculous. I've got to get out of this bloody room. Oh God. You get the picture. Irritation was there big time. (laughs) However, I also knew because I had been forewarned that actually that frustration and irritation is like the door that needs to be opened to move through to the next stage, so to speak. So I ended up saying to one of these assistants, you know, he was doing the hand on my chest, come on, open, like release this. And I was like, I'm sorry, I (laughs) know. I can't handle this. Anyway, we ended up going outside and doing a completely different exercise where I realized the first layer of emotion underneath that frustration for me was anger. An emotion I was not typically allowed to express at home. An emotion that many women in particular struggle to express even in a safe way because it's often not socially acceptable and also an emotion that's not typically welcome in a psychotherapist's office again maybe for some understandable reasons but hey anyway that activity outside in the French countryside with no neighbors I could disturb led to the biggest release and biggest realization for me, which I doubt I will ever forget. So my message for you is where you can surrender, let go. The fall probably won't be as hard as you think. Let's have a quick word on jealousy. I wanted to draw specific attention to this because I think jealousy is an emotion that is really hard to sit with and there is an easy reframe on this one and who doesn't love easy when that's an option. Our retreat leader had a great little piece on this. It perhaps applies more to jealousy that we would experience with our friends or 
our colleagues or even somebody we don't know, for example, in the public sphere, more than it would apply to jealousy with a romantic partner. So what I would encourage, and indeed what our retreat organizer would encourage, was the following. Instead of seeing jealousy as something limiting that we need to start a mental dialogue to get rid of or avoid it completely because it's undesirable, actually see jealousy as a guiding light towards the direction or even the destination that you want to reach. Flip it into a positive. I'll give you an example. I recorded a podcast episode, episode nine, with psychologist and sexologist Ariane Tourney. And I said at the start of that episode, Ariane was just so free, seemingly free in her body and in her sexuality. And she was comfortable dancing casually in front of others at home, you know, that evening after we'd finished our recording and had dinner together. And I felt envious all of a sudden, you know, she was gorgeous. And I was like, oh, why? Well, continuing with this reframe, because I wanted that for myself and I didn't feel like I had it for whatever reason that may be. And Ariane was actually an assistant at the retreat. So I had a beautiful, you know, full circle moment in being able to share that with her. And the envy wasn't bitter, you know, it, it was gentle. But I could say to her, you know, I want that for me and you're inspiring me here. So Ariane, can we go out dancing soon, please? (laughs) And listeners, when were you last feeling envious? And what could that show you? Little question for you there. Inner child stuff. Who wants to talk about some inner child stuff? I'm imagining some eye rolls here. (laughs) I know this can be a bit of a love or hate kind of topic. And I think, I think one of the reasons why people go like, oh God, this child stuff, it's because it's really evoking a sense of vulnerability, which many people equate with weakness or discomfort. I think also there's an element where we don't want to seem to indulge those aspects of ourselves. So people could say, oh, just stop you're not a child, you're an adult. You've just got to be responsible. Get yourself together. I don't agree fully with that approach. And while I do understand that there might be people who indulge perhaps too much in that aspect and aren't really claiming their their power or their responsibility, which could damage them, my stance is that we have a lot to gain actually, from doing some inner child work. So let me tell you what value I've experienced and why I think it could be a good thing to do. I realized personally that I was not giving myself permission to be vulnerable or to examine parts of myself that hadn't really been healed in my childhood. You know, some needs that hadn't been met and so forth. I think something we remove ourselves from is that our childhood was such a huge informative part of our lives 
And we are the sum of our experiences that we have had in our life, both good and bad. So there would be times when old wounds that hadn't been healed would resurface, especially with some of those defense mechanisms I mentioned earlier. And so I found myself, you know, I would act as if to meet some of those childhood needs. And while we obviously shouldn't dismiss what we experience in adulthood, our childhood is where the subconscious mind is formed. It is where we learn how to process emotions and many other key behaviors and habits. It's also where we learned a lot of these defense mechanisms. So for me, I think there is real power and potential for healing in gaining awareness of our childhood conditioning and also to start a process of reparenting as necessary. I'm finding this is a term that is being used more and more in the psychological field with some controversy. But reparenting is the act of giving yourself what you didn't receive as a child. It's an opportunity to take personal responsibility, to heal, to forgive. You know, for me, I didn't have the most stable of upbringings. I I moved around a lot. I frequently changed schools. I didn't feel like I had roots. And I recognize that led to a lack of groundedness overall. Of course, there are some positive aspects to this in that I'm very flexible and adaptable. I can handle change quite well, perhaps in comparison to others, but it's also led to a scattiness, a lack of focus, some poor emotional regulation. And to me, this idea of reparenting is both healing and self-development work. And I think this, you know, I could give to myself what I didn't have. And in some respects, I think that is a gentle, kind, compassionate and loving moment first, but then applying discipline afterwards. So let's say I've procrastinated on recording this podcast, put it off to the last minute. This is one of my core defense mechanisms linked very closely to perfectionism. Now, what I could do to help me move through this more quickly is first acknowledging the little Shannon that always wanted to perform to feel worthy. And now I'm confronted in a situation where I'm fearful of not performing highly enough and then encountering and feeling deeply that unworthiness, you know, is hard. And I think what I realize is that I need to extend myself that compassion first and say, it's okay, Shannon. You know, I understand that you just want to be loved like all of us human beings and performance is actually how you have received love in the past. Take a couple of deep conscious breaths and now it's time to work. I give myself that little compassionate moment to soothe the albeit restrained tantrum internally and then say, okay, enough is enough. I'm not going to dwell in that space. I'm not going to dwell in my own you know, misery or self-pity or whatever. Move forward. That's a little bit of my take on inner child work and reparenting. And for anyone who's curious for a little bit more on this theme, I'd really recommend the resources of Dr. Nicole LaPera. 
otherwise known as the holistic psychologist. She's great and she does a lot in this a lot in this space. And before wrapping up, I just wanted to share some other takeaways on the themes of vulnerability and joy. Vulnerability. It is a hard place to step into because we're exposed to the possibility of harm. So as I've explored throughout this episode so much, we will create and maintain defense mechanisms to protect us against harm and to assist in creating invulnerability wherever possible. This retreat, it required us to step into our vulnerability so much. But what I can say is that there was such an uplifting and satisfying reward of connectedness, of acceptance, of trust that comes with mutual vulnerability. You know, in all honesty, there were parts of me that considered prior to this retreat whether I should do a female-only version and whether that could be more healing for me on the basis that I would open up more comfortably in that setting. This is linked to some difficult relationships with men in my past. But you know what? I'm so glad that I didn't. The retreat was about one third male and two thirds female. And by chance, I actually found myself doing many of the workshops with the men. But what I just found so surprisingly healing and so heartwarming was to see men step into their vulnerability and you know for men who are listening to this I know that for a lot of you you have been taught in your homes and in society and our culture that you need to be tough that you need to hold it together that you cannot be vulnerable because if you're vulnerable you're weak and none of you want to be weak or pathetic or unlovable none of you but actually I'm increasingly convinced that this vulnerability is the source of your true strength and the source of your joy, you know, your joy, your vitality and of your love. And it was so beautiful to see so many men and not without difficulty, of course, but so many men allowing themselves to be in that vulnerability, you know, to cry, to show their emotions and for things that have happened to them, perhaps also for things that they have done. I just loved observing that because it felt like coming together as a humanity and releasing all of these pressures, you know, these limiting structural identities. And in many ways, I felt like the retreat overall facilitated a rebalancing, I guess, of our feminine and masculine energies. And FYI, that doesn't mean male or female, but rather the masculine and the feminine that is present in all of us. So the masculine energy is one which is characterized typically by doing, and it's molded by logic and reason. It's competitive, it's assertive. And the feminine energy, which is characterized more by being, it is more intuitive, it's more nurturing. It's said that when these energies are balanced within ourselves, we experience a greater sense of harmony and fulfillment. And I absolutely felt like that throughout the retreat. And it was just so beautiful for us to cultivate those spaces, you know, for men also to be able to be with their sadness and for them to not feel that they were unlovable to be like that. You know, in fact, 
in many respects, I thought they became more lovable. You know, I found myself wanting to soothe them and hug them and to let those men know that there was no part of me that felt that they were diminished in any way. And no part of me that felt like they had lost, you know, some masculinity by revealing a softer side to themselves. I would encourage men to open themselves up to that. And for women listening to also accept this in the men in your life, because, you know, that's the other side of this. I get it. There was a time for me in my life where I was not as accepting of men being vulnerable. I mean, I wouldn't have ended up in a relationship with a bloody narcissist if that was the case. So I had previously sought a male as a protector, you know, but the most empowering thing out of that was realizing I can protect myself. And that doesn't need to come from a fierce armor-like independence, you know, but actually a deeper, more nourishing, more connected, grounded love that I can give myself. I don't, I don't need to give that power to a man for them to protect me, you know? And it also means that I feel like I could stand in equal presence with a male and to comfort him when he needs to as well. Lastly, joy. I loved connecting to my joy and my vitality throughout this retreat. I mean, who doesn't? (laughs) But I felt so free. You know, there was a place I was dancing inside, outside, had my headphones on and was walking around in nature at this moment where I was like, I'm going to just go jump into this bloody freezing natural pool that hadn't been cleaned and it was kind of disgusting, but it was okay just because I can. And I remember one of my friends saying before I left, oh my God, if I had to go and dance in front of a group, I would be mortified. She's like, I don't think I've ever done that without being drunk. I feel you, girl. But it was so good. You know, it was amazing. Us all in this group, music on, moving our bodies, letting energy flow through us and not being like, how good is my dance move or how not so good is my dance move, but actually just moving our bodies because it felt fun. And I really reflected on this overall and all the other things that we did as part of this retreat that connected us to our, our joy. I don't think we have enough of that in our life because we fear so much the judgment of others. But there's also one thing that I took away that I would really love for you to think about more in your own lives is just yeah, what brings you this joy and what do you want to do just for the fun of it? Really just for the fun of it. Because I ultimately think also that this joy and vibrancy is contagious and we all want to be in that space. We're all seeking that. So when we let go of this fear of judgment and so on, we will feel so much more free and so much more connected to others at the same time. So overall, what just astounded me throughout this whole experience was, you know, the group of 20 of us, how we strangely became so close in such a short amount of time. And I was thinking, gosh, people don't even show in many instances their close partners or family, these parts of themselves. But we have made this safe space where we can all reveal some of the deepest, darkest and warmest places of ourselves. And that was incredible. So 
needless to say, I think it's pretty clear that I would recommend doing this retreat. It was all in French and uh, that was bloody hard for me, but I'm glad I gave it a good go. So a final few remarks from me to summarize. Dare to explore your defense mechanisms and what lies beneath them. Surrender and let go wherever you can. Reframe your envy into something positive. Know that you don't have to be strong all the time, capable all the time, productive all the time. There is true power in vulnerability. And unabashedly follow your joy. God damn, life can be hard enough as it is. So make space for joy in your life. You know, be compassionate with yourself and others and live your life fully. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I hope you have a great week.